Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast, an educational and news podcast slash vodcast for 501c3 charitable organizations that want to create better content, optimize their technology, and improve their marketing to better serve their mission. This is episode number 18. I have some cool 18s for you. And Matt, who is a big soccer fan, will love that in association football, or better known as soccer, the 18 is a slang term for the penalty area, which I didn't know how to look up. And in honor of Nick, our man on the links, there are 18 holes on a regulation golf course. And going back, 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 back to my 80s music, I'm 18 was Alice Cooper's first top 10 hit single from their 1971 album, Love It to Death. This is episode 18. Nick, cue the music. I'm joined by my talented co-hosts who also love the number 18, who bring a wide range of experience to our weekly show about 50C3 orgs. Matt, why don't you lead off? I, uh, I have to tell you, you are in full soccer regalia. You look great. Looks like you won a tournament or something. Uh, but tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, everybody. My name is Matt Bailo. I have a master's degree in marketing, MBA in marketing. I've been in the marketing industry for over 20 years. I've worked on agencies. I've worked for clients. I've worked on vendor side. I've been in and out all around it. I've run data and data systems and even written CRM systems. So my goal is to use that knowledge to help benefit charitable organizations. And before we move on, buddy, I got to say for the number 18, I think we need to go out and count the holes on the golf course. Uh, so let's get that set up and scheduled. We got to make sure there's 18. We'll have to check a lot of them, but we can do it. I think uh, the uh, the promise to get me out on the links, Matt, went with that you don't count like my actual strokes. It's just the spirit. of No, we're counting the holes. We play by holes. We play by holes. Okay. (laughs) And speaking of playing by holes, Nick, you're our chief information officer. Tell them who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Nick, your company's computer guy. Um, So yes, I've been in IT for a very long time since the nineties. I created the 501c3 lookup.org website. Um, And Kind of like Matt, I've got a I've got a hybrid degree, not a not a master's like Matt, but a hybrid degree of science and uh, business. So, uh, do my best to help out. And Nick, you'll be you'll be joining us where we count the holes on the golf sure, course I'd thing. Love to do right? it. Love yeah, to we do have it. a sports pack show. Actually, our news will be covering some <laughs> sports ball topics today. Uh, but before ball. we go to that, my name is Buddy Sclair, and I am your chief content officer, and I am all things content. Started my career in technology, but also on the creative side, and I advise brands about how to optimize their marketing content uh, for all different channels. And we, as your uh, podcast companions, are here to provide your organization with the information and inspiration to take your charitable mission to the next level. So, guys, let's start the show. And, you know, I feel like after this many episodes, pretty soon we're going to have to have like interstitial music. So and I'm like, let's start the show. We need some sort of like, I don't know, peel off <laughs> on the guitar. <laughs> um, hey, needs, Matt, more, needs more duck. You, you and Nick are sports ball fanatics, and I pulled out a topic today. I'll read it for you. Um, do virtual 
um, do virtual yoga with Lions T.E. T.J. Hawkinson for charity. Now, I'll have you know that I thought T.E. T.J. Hawkinson was his full name <laughs> until I realized that T.E. was Lions tight end. That's how not sports oriented I am. But I am. I actually kind of like yoga. I won't lie to you. I think it's uh, it's kind of nice. Yoga. And um, he's doing virtual yoga. And apparently TJ Hawkinson was also not a yoga person, but decided to help use his celebrity to raise money uh, for Haiti. And I just thought it was a really great heartwarming story. And I'm going to start with you, Nick. Uh, first of all, did you know what a TE was or did you have to look that up? Or was I that have just to me? admit I did know TE. All right. Um, you really didn't? I did. I did know. Oh, no, Buddy didn't. Yeah. No, I, I was like, oh, he's his name is T-E-T-J. And I was like, oh, that's that's a, long, <laughs> a lot of initials in there. And then I was like, oh, 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 that's a sports ball thing. I played football. Not well. And that's probably why I didn't know. What <laughs> that's what so, Nick, uh, T-E about T-J doing the yoga thing. What were your thoughts when you read that? You know, I, I think it's a great thing to do. It, it speaks to how um, anybody, in particular athletes or celebrities of any kind, just, you know, they have so much more. It's great that they use that that uh, platform that they have for positive events like this. Um, you know, he didn't have to do it. Um Lots of celebrities, though, you know, it brought to mind, you know, when you, when you brought it up, it brought to mind, uh, you know, being a New Yorker, being a Yankees fan. Uh, Derek Jeter has his Turn 2 Foundation that he set up uh, probably 25 years ago. Um, and right. often they'll do it, you know, they being uh, athletes or uh, wealthy, they'll do it as a tax shelter. You know, it's, it's a but it's a good tax shelter and it's work. It's it's it works uh, well because it helps them and it helps the uh, nonprofit organization. So uh, it's a good thing. Not knocking it all, knocking it at all. Um, I, I thought it was great. I thought yoga, sports, you know, not typical. You know, you wouldn't imagine a tight end is doing a, a yoga, but I just thought it brought a lot of good things together. So. And I would agree. I think that was one of the things, the novelty of it. You know, you have yeah. this, you know, very physical, muscled man. And he said he doesn't do yoga. But, you know, there is a value to having people come in and say, like, wow, look at this. This guy is ready to have some fun. Mm -hmm. And maybe that brings in a little bit of fun to the fundraiser. And to me, uh, that made it even better. But I, they also did a nice job, Matt, with their social media. Uh, I found it through Twitter. I'm a big Twitter head. And I, I don't even know if that's a word. I think I just made that. A, you just made a word. Yeah. Can you just TMNR that? Can you hashtag um, that, please? Let's hashtag. I'm a Twitter head. But they did a good job of tying the media together. Matt, what were your thoughts about the story and even the media campaign? Um, well, I mean, the the story for me is uh, is is reminiscent of – what I actually see a lot, right? So, you know, you have like Bob Ross who donated all his painted three paintings for each show and donated the paintings to PBS and to uh, continue to fund uh, the station. You have um, Cristiano Ronaldo, who um, is an association uh, football player who um, 
years ago, like 2014, there was a child who, a young child, like 10 months, knew, who needed an expensive surgery. Uh, the parents wrote to him asking for a pair of um, signed shoes from the game because this is what happens, right? Sometimes they'll 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 donate a shirt from a game or a, or a pair of shoes or something from a game. Um, you know, it's no, not even monetary. They'll, they'll donate it for a good cause that can then be auctioned off or sold on eBay or something like that. And, and in this case, Cristiano not only gave him the shoes and the shirt and several other things, but also paid for the whole surgery, um, you know, which is, which is amazing. So, you know, I, I think there's, okay, tax, you know, element to it, but I think, you know, you can give you can give some credit to pe- some people who are just good people, and and when they have something, and and like you know, like Bob Ross didn't he could have he didn't have to donate those paintings. I mean, he could have cashed in on that. He donated three paintings to all, and they're all, all PBS stations to keep the channel running. I mean, I think it's I think it's a a, a good thing when um, you can use your fame you know, uh, and your popularity for something like that. And to be honest, it doesn't cost you a thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see these stories. I like when I see these stories for, for, you know, especially athletes and good causes. Yeah. And it's meaningful and it, it does, uh, nothing but good things for the sports club. It does nothing but good things for raising awareness. Like people might not have been thinking about Haiti and yet the, the plight and the challenges there continue and they continue to need help. And that just puts that top of mind again. It puts them back in the news. And, you know, it was something that you just said, Matt, that was really key, which is, I don't know, just ask somebody, you know, you never know. And it, it might just be as simple as can I have the shoes and the shirt from the game? Well, Sure. Yeah. Why not? And I think that that kind of step up and ask can have a surprisingly positive result. And hopefully the charities that we're speaking with are thinking, well, who can we ask? Yeah. You know, it's amazing how often somebody famous is, you know, they're not immune to to human elements. You know, there there are in in most cases. You know, we've worked on how many brands over our career, guys? Right? I mean, we <laughs> right. It, and in so many cases, the the sponsor or the spokesperson or something like that is somehow impacted or you know emotionally attached in some way to the. Um, to the, the the cost, right? You know, we see that in so many cases. We so you know, we did one with, with golf. We did one with skin. You know, we did one with um, trying to think of a couple other, right? They 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 are all impacted in some way and want to help that cause, want to give back, want to further along because you know all the. Money in Michael J. Fox Foundation. I mean, you, like all the money, you still need to further a cause, and that's a big ship, right? You know, you can't do that on your own, no matter really how much money you have. I mean, you you do have the Bill Gates of the world who who you know do try and do that, but even I mean, Gates is like at a level of working with countries. You know, still can't do it by yourself. Still can't bring clean water to to everybody without some help without some partnership so yeah i mean i think in so many cases you know you can find somebody reach out to somebody and you never know you never know 
And they're so accessible on social media and the clubs are always looking for a reason to give back to their communities. And, you know, you do, you do seem to see a lot of this in soccer. Um, And, and I think that's great. And maybe that's just part of the culture. And I think that, you know, if we, if it becomes part of the culture, that is an opportunity for any level of charitable organization to say, look, we're, we have a mission. Can we, can we just borrow your, gravitas for a, for a day or two. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked to, to so many founders at this point and we know so many founders and like, I think the common denominator here is they're all passionate about a cause number one and number two, like, it's not like anybody's cashing in on charity. So when, when, when an org, charitable organization comes in and comes to an athlete or comes to somebody famous and says, Hey, we need a little bit of help with the cause. It's not like they're saying, can you put out a sponsored tweet to sell my widget? Right. They're they're saying, you know, we're trying to do a cause. You can look me up. You can see what we're doing. We can talk. We can have conversations about where this is really going to go. And again, it goes back to all of that stuff that we've talked about, the vision, the mission, making sure all your paperwork is filed. So you have a good rating on things like Charity Navigator. And, you know, you can see your clear reporting of your finances. So they know how much of the dollar goes to the cause versus, you know, to, to, to overhead, you know, and so you can see these things and you can gain alignment. And, and I think that's really, um, you know, it all leads up to this moment where you, you reach out and you ask for help and somebody looks you up and finds your website, finds your social footprint, finds your, 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 all your uh, transparency documentation and says, yeah, I'll, I'll send that tweet to my, you know, 50 million followers or whatever. And there's probably a good, there's probably a good story. And we, and maybe we should look at some of the numbers guys one day where we look at how much a Jersey goes for on eBay. And I would imagine that a Jersey that's being given for a charitable cause probably claims an even higher rate sure. in an auction because people feel like, yeah, this is my way of giving. It's not just about getting a jersey. You can get a jersey. You go on eBay, there's hundreds of them. But you might want to say, I gave to the jersey that also led to relief in you know, a country that needs clean water, as you just noted. And I think that that kind of just ask somebody uh, probably goes a very long way. Right. And that's what we saw. Like you said, we've been speaking with founders and people who work in organizations. And um, I think one of the common denominators that we'll continue to explore in season two, which is what we're in now, is they are just people that are willing to step up and just ask for help. You know, you, you mentioned it, but there is an eBay for charity. Um, and there, there is oh, a way to sell for charity. And maybe we'll cover that, you know, in another in another episode, but, you know, they say eBay, uh, eBay says, you know, sells faster, sells for more money, you know, and you donate that money and, and you list with your listing, etc. And you I can have an eBay that, store, a charitable eBay store as well. That's pretty, that's pretty, pretty amazing, actually. So, um, Anyway, that's that's our news topic, but we're going to get into a big topic, and I'm going to prompt you, Matt, because um, you know we 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 had a couple of guests back to back, and I think if someone has been listening from episode one, they'll know this journey that Matt has been leading us on um, to help the organizations that are listening to do more effective marketing, because quite frankly, they might not have a marketing background. And this is what we do is we try to say, well, we're going to give you our experience and advice completely for free. But as we are at episode 18, Matt, 
can you just get some people up to speed and then encourage them where they can find the back episodes? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pulling up some of the show notes over here, but you know, just to cover it at a high level, um, we have been through quite a lot and we've got quite a lot to go, but uh, just to cover off, we started very high level with what we'll call strategy, right? And this is section one about knowing who you are, knowing yourself. This is your vision. This is your mission. This is your objective. This is setting these high level goals and getting them written on the wall so that you can really bounce off. Because again, as we talk to these founders, you see how important coming back to this for your board, coming back to this for your, your spending, coming back to this for your budget, how important all that is, right? And now the second part, you know yourself is knowing your customer. Who is my customer? Who am I going to be marketing towards? Who am I going to be talking? Who's going to be participating, furthering my objectives, furthering my mission, donating money so that I can all of these things, because it's not just about raising money. I know sometimes we focus on that, but it's also about furthering your mission. Who can help make that happen? As we just said, like Cristiano Ronaldo didn't donate the shoes he donated the objective of the mission, which was um, the surgery for the uh, for the young child, right? Now you wanna align yourself and your customer. You wanna set up your journeys, your drivers, your messages. After you have that journey, you can see where are your opportunities? What are those moments? What are those little points of behavior change where you can help people know more about you and help move yourself forward? And then we started into content creation, which was content strategy. We got into content analysis, and I believe we touched in a little bit about, about gap analysis. So we understood mm-hmm. what is content strategy. Buddy took over for, for a day there. We talked about content analysis, understanding what we have, what versions we have, how do we manage that, how do we decide what we need, which we did early, aligned to customer, what we have, and taking that gap. And then we started to get into content modification and transcreation. And that's where we're going to uh, pick up today. Uh, and then we're going to get a little bit more uh, later on, probably not today. We'll start to get into content marketing. And then from there, we'll start to, and once we're into content marketing, which is really getting content out there to help generate traffic and, and right, fish where the fish are, you can create the barrel to fish in, right? Which is uh, content marketing. And then we'll start to get into social media when we continue to push on through uh, several different channels there. And I think that's maybe where we can actually fit the uh, eBay discussion in as well. That might that might work out. Now, while we're while we're on the topic, and if people want to go and find those episodes, our mm-hmm. website creator. Nick, where can they find all of these wonderful resources and episodes that Matt just mentioned from season one? Sure, you can find us uh, uh, at 501c3lookup.org. Uh, right at the top in the navigation bar, you'll see 501 Companion, and all of our episodes are there uh, by season and, and episode. Um, you can also find us wherever you can get your popular podcasts. Uh, right now, uh, the Anchor and Spotify uh, uh, feeds are live, and more are coming soon. So, And Nick, um, how much do people have to pay for this resource? It, it costs, let me, let me see here, it's free. Hey, gotta, this is part of our mission. One round, yeah. it's free. Yeah, it's all free. So all this stuff is free, but um, just as Matt is about to lead us into the next part of the marketing content transcreation conversation, it is worth noting that this is sequential. 
Um, if you want to go on a learning journey with us and listen to us stumble through our first couple of episodes, it's a little bit painful, but fortunately they were all short in the beginning. Um, it's a good learning journey. And, and, and I think um, to Great. build an understanding of how to write a mission statement and how to pull that mission statement through and, and all of those elements are important. And if you're, you're part of an organization, and you want to learn more, um, we encourage you to go back to the early episodes. And Matt, it's back to you. You okay. lead off. You you go, man. I think we're past lead off, right? I mean, yeah, I think we're into. I just I dribbled dribbled the show and then passed it to you. All right. Okay. So um, again, we talked about content strategy. We defined it as the creation, publication, and governance of useful, usable content, right? And so as we got into it, we started discussing that process, and we started to talk about content analysis. Does it exist? Is it useful? What are some things that we need to know about it? What voices it written in channels it used for literal language? You may need to add different languages to cover our messages, et cetera. Once you did that, we started to talk about um, that gap analysis because we did our journeys and behavior, right? So now we wanna apply what content we have to what content we need to figure out what content we still need to generate or as we like to say transcreate, which is transform and create, right? Sometimes you have long form content that you'll need to build a tweet out of something like that or several tweets out of it. Right? So that's just an example by size of content. You'll need to transcreate the content or translate the content. If it's written in one language, you need to translate it into another language uh, or for your audience, you know, or for, because you're expanding geographically, uh, that's another thing you can do. Um, and then you may need to figure out what is literally missing. You may have identified uh, an area of your marketing, which requires content uh, that you just don't have. So for example, today um, we are in our article, we had somebody who is deciding to lead off a yoga practice to benefit charity. Now, <clears throat> what would be, for example, the content that would have to go along with that. Well, you want to make sure that it was clear that the readers knew exactly who T-E-T-J, whatever that tight end's name was, and what he meant to the Detroit Tiger, the Detroit Lions, and then also oh, the Bears, and then also ensure uh, that people understood what charity uh, he was trying to raise money for. And uh, if you probably uh, were wondering, oh, is this, is this fella a a big yoga enthusiast? Well, you'd probably want to answer the question that he wasn't, but he was doing it all in fun. So you would want to be able to get in there and ask, uh, answer the questions that your audience will have. And then certainly um, be sure to create an experience that leads them as quickly and as friction-free as possible to make a donation if they want to contribute. Right. And with the donation, what they get is the lesson out of it. So they're buying the lesson, the money goes to charity. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a couple of things that you mentioned in there and we'll just kind of go back and cover. So the first piece, an awareness campaign. Right. So I should note um, that content, content strategy and channel and channel strategy, very chicken and eggy. Right. So, you know, when you're trying to decide what 
content you need, you say, well, what channels are we going to be in? So this is where the where if you're in an agency world or if you're in a larger uh, marketing group, you may have a channel planner, right, or a media planner within a channel planning, right? So you you may need to understand from one side of it. Um, what channels am I going to even need to write for? Do we have a social footprint? Do we need to create one? What are they? There's a difference between YouTube and Twitter, right? I mean, should we make a video? Should I make images? Um, should I make Vines, short images, TikToks? You know, what, what should I, Facebook? You know, it's, you engage with each of these channels a little bit differently. The text the content, the copy, the images, also a little bit different. If you're doing something high science, you may be looking at a journal, it's a different type of writing. So you may need to understand your channel strategy as well. So we're starting with the awareness, they chose to go the social route, uh, but he shared the link and the link will be in the show notes uh, for this specific instance, but they have to now spin up that content and that copy to build awareness, right? So they've identified their need. They've identified what they'd like to do. They've identified their audience, people who like football and know what TE stands for and might want to do yoga, would like to maybe not do yoga, but wouldn't mind donating. I think it was $35, right? You know, so you want to build this up. You want to know what it costs, where it's going to go. And so now you're building out this content. And so you're starting to get into content creation, which is kind of back and forth with channel planning. If you're going to send an email, that may be a little bit different. Do you have to spin up a website? Um, does this content exist anywhere else? And can I repurpose it, right? Because that's the management. That's the content strategy, the management of content, right? Does this content exist anywhere else? And one of the things that's interesting about content creation and uh, Matt, you and I worked in agencies and Nick, you've worked around content your whole career. You'll know that content creation uh, is time consuming and expensive. And if you start off with a content strategy and you build your website and then you're thinking, oh, well, now I need to do a social campaign. And, and then you think, well, you know, I also need to make this uh, multi-language. So I'm thinking about trans creation. That is very expensive to do. But a good content strategist will plan all of the content resources that will need to be created so that they can most efficiently plan out how to create that kind of a little bit like shooting a movie. Movies typically are not shot in sequence. They're shot by location and need and availability of talent. So they plan very carefully. And when you're thinking about creating content, you want to create that content very carefully to ensure that you're maximizing your budget, your impact, and your consistency. And the other thing, which I think was a great learning from our conversation with Kino's Animal Shelter and uh, James Giuliani, was you also have to know yourself, right? And this is part of your vision and mission. Yeah. I, I heard you say a couple of words that I've heard all too often. And you, you, you know, if you just spin up a social campaign, yeah. that's the just word, right? We used to have a, I remember on the, on that, when I ran a technology group, we had a, uh, we had a, a big, a big fan of our, our tech group was just a, because just, just came around usually Friday about five o'clock, right? Just, just, just needs stuff. Just, just everything is just. And right? his, so, uh, his, his, uh, his, uh, his partner only, only, only just and only should, yeah should just only take you about two hours to do just this only right so the, the 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 funny part of it is you know 
Now, this is something that James was really very good at was understanding what, where is that line? Where is that limit? Because you don't turn on social media and instantly have 5 million followers, right? That's not the way that goes, right? It takes time and you need to be careful and you need to weigh your content creation with is this something I'm going to keep doing? Is this something I'm going to do once and then end? Is it what what it what is this that I'm doing? Because if you are going to be spinning up, and as we mentioned, like social media, you either need an existing social media plan, and this is part of your business and part of your organization and something that you do. As James does, he films a daily video uh, about himself and the dogs, right? Yep. Right. And musing real, you know, I, I think does a great job, but doesn't overly try and tell stories, doesn't overly use multiple channels because he wants to keep his effort focused on his mission. Yeah. Right. And, you know, same thing when we talk to Tom Hall for the Montclair film, you know, you need to understand the months that go into planning the film festival, you know, versus creating content for the social channels. And you need to weigh that when you're building it. So when you said, when we start to talk about, you know, you spin up a social platform or something like that, you have to weigh that with what are you hoping to get out of this? How much work you're going to put in? What is it going to take? How often am I going to do this? Do I need to hire somebody to do this? Is there somebody that can help with this? Cause even us doing this one hour show once a week, you know, people don't see the hours that go into it. Mm-hmm behind the scene, the hours that Nick spends, you know, managing the website, you know, there's just, it, there's a lot that go into it. So you would need to choose your content strategy uh, and your content very wisely. And you need yeah. to plan, you need a good plan. And, um, you know, Matt, you mentioned trans creation and, mm. and that is um, an extremely important element to ensuring that the right audience receives your message and you know we just cannot assume that everybody speaks english as their first language uh, and if you're thinking globally uh, you, you want to appeal to people in a language that you know feels comfortable for them they, they understand all the nuances i i think back uh, many many years ago general motors uh named a car, the Chevrolet Nova. And when it got down to South America, they realized that Nova translated to no go. So it was not a great name. They didn't think about what was the impact of when that was literally translated from English into Spanish. And it was a, it was a joke, but it wasn't a good one because you don't want a car named the no go. Right. But yeah, but at the same time, you know, it can be you can have a positive there as well, which is, you know, you and I have worked on global campaigns with platforms designed around repurposing content and uniting that content. So, okay, you know, the first time you build out that asset, it may take eight weeks and $80,000 or whatever, you know, but the first person to repurpose it and translate or transcreate it may take two weeks and two thousand dollars you know mm-hmm. and now you're getting that benefit of that that global footprint and that use and that content reuse and stuff and transcreation of the content uh you know there's 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 lots of great opportunities one thing we definitely definitely try and do is synergize that content where else can you use it well i wrote an article it can be used in a video it can be used in a podcast it can be presented it can be sent as an email it can, we can pull quotes out for a tweet you know and you want to get the most out of that content that you absolutely can so a good 
strategy and a good content strategy and channel strategy will help you decrease your workload, maximize your return on that content so that when you are doing that creation or chance creation or something, whatever you're doing with it, you're really getting the maximum um, out of it. Yeah, because I know that, you know, Nick uh, and Matt, you both use LinkedIn quite a bit, whereas I'm, you know, really on Twitter every day. I keep it open all day. So you're more likely to get me on Twitter and more likely to get you and Nick right on LinkedIn. Nick, is LinkedIn your your primary channel? I use uh, I, I kind of mix them all up equally. Yeah. Probably. Smoke signal. 50-50-50. It's it's an even 50-50-50 split. Um, <laughs> but you're right, Matt. You know, you need to you need to do some things. It's not just a matter of of putting it on Hootsuite and blasting it to channels. It's ensuring that that content is relevant to that community. And then again, I go back to the translation part, which is, you know, the temptation is to run your website through Google Translate and, yeah. you know, leave it. Um, but that doesn't always capture the cultural nuances no. and references that Americans, you know, speaking American and English might get a reference to an American and English television show that may not be as relevant to someone in France or, you know, Sweden. And you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're communicating with these people because they might share the same passion for a charity or an organization, but your subtleties may be lost on them. So translation yeah. is good. You can do it as a first pass, but it is always advisable to ensure that someone who understands the culture and speaks the language natively uh, has input on that. And as no, you know, absolutely right. You, it could cost you, let's just put a round number, $10,000 to develop the copy for your website, but it may only cost you another 500 to ensure that it's available to different uh, spoken languages around the globe, but wow, look at how much more you made your budget go just by ensuring that you translated and then transcreated. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny on this topic, you know, you just brought up LinkedIn and you reminded me this afternoon, I was, I was on there and um, a friend of mine, you guys know, Martin, Martin Lang, remember him? He's uh, so he's a friend of ours from Ogilvy and uh, he, um, he was in a conversation today and, and I was, you know, following along. Somebody had asked, you know, um, what is the hard choice in marketing? What's the one thing that's a hard choice in marketing? We're just kind of covering it right now. So just to put this out there for people, this is not an easy thing to do. Martin's answer was deciding not what not to do. That was Martin's answer. Now, now the response to it, which I thought was interesting, was focus on effectiveness versus efficiency. Well, I mean, I don't think that's all that deciding what not to do is. Deciding whether or not it's right to do social media or right to create. It's not just effectiveness or efficiency. It's it's you can have effectiveness and efficiency. And that's what that decision really is about, is getting them both, right? Especially when you're an organization, especially for the ones that we work with, you know, maybe limited limited, uh, resources, don't have large departments or multi-million dollar budgets, right? You need both effectiveness and efficiency. That is the hard choice. And you may get pressure to do something that 
you feel like you should do, you're not sure why, but you spend a few minutes, spend the time, a few days, a few weeks to put that strategy together. So you're making that hard choice and you're deciding what is appropriate for you. You know, and like, I just keep going back to Kino's because he said, what am I doing wrong? He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was doing what is right for Kino's, which is he is filming uh, James filming himself with his dogs. That's the content people like, the content people want to see, the reason they're there, the reason they're donating. And at the same time, he's getting the, so he's got the effectiveness and he's also got the efficiency because this is him, the phone, and the dogs. He's not telling stories, not getting out there to try and do things that will take more time and will take him away from his mission. And, and so, that was, you know, uh, it's important. That was episode number 15, 14, 14. 15. episode number 15. And, and real quick, just to put Nick on the spot. I mean, Nick, how many times have you been approached by a panicked brand manager or copywriter because part of their content strategy was not to proofread it before they gave it to you. Mm -hmm. You get it, it's rendered, it's up, you put it through all the processes, staging, and then what happens? They come to you panicked, right, Nick? It, that's oh, not yeah. efficient it either, happens, right? It happens this week. I mean, it happens all the time. How many um, times does it not happen? That's the real question. <laughs> I don't think it ever not. It doesn't. It never doesn't happen. It happens all the time. Now I'm the one bringing it to Nick, so yeah. I know. But it's inefficient, right, Nick? I mean, you know, you you have a technical team, well paid, well trained, and now they're you know fixing a, a capitalization error, right? Yeah. You you expect it though. I mean, at least for me, at this point in my career, I expect it to. to you know, to have to go in and fix it. But yeah, I mean, it speaks to the planning. Um, you know, one thought I had about, you know, we're talking globally, buddy, but, uh, you know, if you're in a big city, if you think of Queens, New York, you know, I mean, you've got, it's the melting pot of New York City. I'm sure the other boroughs would argue they're, they're just as uh, diverse, but, you know, it doesn't have to be global. It could be right in your own community. So, and the other thing, thought that came to mind is, you know, Nonprofits. This is a, maybe a good volunteer opportunity. Maybe there's somebody at college who comes from a, a multilingual family who would be able to, you know, maybe they can't donate, but they can uh, spend an hour to translate for you. So just, you know, that's a great point, Nick, because yeah. it, and if if you have a community, sometimes it's just a matter of saying, you know, here's a tweet. We, you know, we can use some help. And yeah. boom, you know, you've got people sure. waiting in line because they're passionate about whatever charity you're doing. It could be keynotes, right? Yeah. That would be immensely helpful to have somebody proofread because the tech volunteers, like, I don't, I don't have time until next weekend to do this. So I think good planning is the hallmark of content strategy. And um, Matt, as we put a bow on this, I think. Um, it's important to note that content strategy is not easy. It does take time, um, but I think it goes to your uh, measure twice. How does that, how, what's that saying, Matt? <laughs> you measure twice, cut once, but I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't think you're ever done cutting, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but planning, when you think about it, you know, planning can be done when you're calm and planning can be done in advance and then gives yeah. you chance to revise. But once you have a campaign that's in flight, it's hard to change. Yeah, yeah, you can't return an email. And yeah, it's hard to fix things. So um, <laughs> guys, thank you for covering this because, you know, content as your chief content officer, uh, and we just gave ourselves our own titles. I just, you know, I just was like, I want to be chief something and you guys were chief, so I'm chief content officer. I thought you were Jedi. I was for a little while, but 
you know, after the Mandalorian came along. Content officer and Jedi Knight, right? That's right. That's right. Um, But I think it's really important to uh, think about your content. And uh, if you have that as an option in your community, definitely reach out to a content strategist who has experience in multiple channels, transcreating content. And also, as Nick noted, just making sure that your translations are culturally appropriate because you'll be a much more effective at reaching the missions that you've outlined in the previous steps. So mm-hmm. Matt, back over to you and, and where are we going in the upcoming episodes? Uh, we've got, we've got so much to talk about. Um, you know, I think we got season two, three, four through five planned out over here, but the next topics are going to be, uh, we're going to start with a little bit of content management. So now that we're creating copy, we've talked about translating copy, creating copy, got to find a place to put it. And that could be something simple like WordPress or something much larger. And how you mentioned Hootsuite for social. So there's a lot of opportunities in content management. So we'll cover some of that in, uh, in the next episode. And then after that, we're going to, uh, shift over to an aligning uh, topic, similar, not the same content marketing. Mm. And we're going to start to get into content marketing and that'll take us a little while because once we get into content marketing, we're going to start to cover a couple of the social channels in depth. So we'll have a couple of episodes uh, on those as well. And then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. We definitely have uh, the outline over here, but I think that's going to cover the next couple of episodes. Well, Matt, thank you for leading this. And uh, I, I think if someone is listening, they will really appreciate what we have our experienced marketing and technology professionals. And of course, your background and master's degree in marketing comes in uh, kind of handy for these conversations. And, and we certainly appreciate that. Matt, where um, can they find this podcast and how can they subscribe? I know we mentioned it, but it's it's always worth mentioning again. Absolutely. So you can find the video on YouTube, look for 501 Companion. You can find the videos on our website, on Nick's website, 501c3lookup.org. Click on the 501 Companion or use the website itself for a lot of the great things and indexing content and indexing uh, charitable organizations that uh, we use it for. Or you can find the podcast itself, the audio version, wherever podcasts are fine, your favorite podcasting uh, app. That sounds great. And hey, listen, while you've still got the microphone in front of you, because we only have one microphone, we just pass it around. Yeah, we can mail it to each other. Yeah. (laughs) Where can they find you? Because I did mention that you haunt LinkedIn every day. I do like LinkedIn. You can always find me at LinkedIn. I love the LinkedIn groups. I love to chat with people in the comments or all the different posts, like I mentioned today, you know, you know, with friends and groups in there and like-minded individuals, which is, you know, just a great conversation. I always enjoy, uh, you know, good conversation. So feel free to reach out over there. Uh, or you can, you know, I home base out of my website, MatthewBalo.com, B-A-L-O-G-H.com. And Nick, how about you? What can they find on this uh, website that you've built, the 50C3lookup.org website? What can they find on that website other than this podcast? (laughs) 501C3lookup.org has uh, over 2 million nonprofit organizations listed uh, uh, with data over the last uh, uh, probably eight or nine years. And it's free to use, as as we mentioned earlier. And uh, you can look up slice and dice uh, nonprofit data if you're a 501c3 uh, uh, nonprofit org 
you can look up uh, organizations in your neighborhood. Look at look at it by state. Look at by zip code. Uh, look at it by the purpose. You know, by the their NTEE codes or activity codes. So, and if my memory serves me correctly, mm-hmm. Nick, last episode, which is episode fourteen, we we unpacked the genesis of the website, the history of what you built, and what else they can find on it. So, if people yeah. are interested in, in really learning a little 17. bit more, right? They can they can they can listen to last episode, right? Yes, it's all up there. It's all up there. It's a, Nick is an open book. Speaking of being an open book, Nick, where can they find you, you if they're looking for you? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Rufa or on LinkedIn at uh, LinkedIn. I believe it's in Nick Rufa. Just just do a search and you'll find me there. There's not a lot of Nick Rufas out there. and Not too many. Yeah, they'll turn you up, right? We have the best one, though. We do. We have number one Nick. <laughs> And my name is Buddy Scalera, and you can find me at BuddyScalera.com and all social channels, uh, most notably Twitter and a little bit more LinkedIn because I have to admit, Matt has uh, had a positive effect on me participating on LinkedIn. I've been sneaking in there a little bit more. And we hope you enjoyed the 501 Companion Podcast and consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, show ideas, or are part of a charitable organization that wants to be on the show, visit the 501c3 lookup.org website. You'll find our contact information and a complete list of our previous episodes. And of course, the extensive and free resources on the 501c3 lookup.org website. Thank you for joining us on the 501 Companion website. And we hope you join us again next week. Night. Out. <laughs>